standing by. The Terry and Ted podcast is sponsored by the UPS Store Canada. You can print, ship, and more at the UPS Store, theupsstore.ca. It's another episode of the Standing By uh, podcast. Hello there, I'm Terry DeMonte, and there's local stand-up comedian and broadcaster par excellence, Ted Bird. I'm not Hello, ready Ted. yet. Hang on, I'm not ready. i gotta, oh. <laughs> I got to get into costume here. The hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> How are you? <laughs> Well, (laughs) I was telling Poseidon earlier, uh, last night I did a show, a comedy show, and I left my briefcase there that had my uh, headphones and uh, all my stuff that I I normally need. Anyway, so I had to bring my uh, computer in my uh, swimming bag today, so I got my... uh, (laughs) I got my goggles with me, and I thought I'd put them on, and it seems to be a big hit with Poseidon. I'm going to be um, honest. If I saw you come out of the water like that, I'm bringing down the whole building. You know what? These are prescription goggles, so if I ever lost my glasses, I could drive home with these on. Can you imagine? And the cops pull you over. What seems to be the problem, officer? <laughs> oh shit! Step out of the car, Aquaman. Yeah, I was gonna say when they roll down the when you roll down the window, you have to say, "I'm Batman." <laughs> I'm just picturing people uh, coming up next to you and freaking the fuck out. Like, ah, what the? Fuck? Now I, I should explain that if you've downloaded the episode and you don't have a video, Ted has uh, swimming uh, goggles. That make him look like a, um, I don't know, like a villain in a superhero movie. Yeah. They're, they look like sunglass goggles. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're dark. Yeah, are well, they, they're are... they're tinted and they're, uh, like I say, they're prescription. Like wow. I can Why actually see with then? these things. What's that? Why are they tinted? I don't fucking know. Uh, okay. for, for, for style, it adds extra speed. <laughs> yeah, they make, me, they make me faster. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and the little old ladies at uh, at Aquafit uh, dig the sunglasses uh, goggles look. Yeah. So, what's your time for a lap, Ted? Oh, it takes a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do, I do, I do uh, sixteen hundred meters yeah. in about forty-five minutes. Listen, I was just going to say, uh, where nobody makes fun of uh, you, you you swim a hillion jillion laps every week. And you're going to live to a thousand if you keep that up. Yeah, well, I can't afford to live to a thousand, so hopefully I'll hit my head <laughs> at the end of the pool one of these days, and that'll be the end of me. Knock on wood. I shouldn't <laughs> even talk that way. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. Um, thanks for joining us for uh, the uh, podcast. Um, this is uh, an interesting season because I'm unable to travel at this time, um, and I was unable to join Ted in studio. We were worried about the technical problems that that presented. Uh, but so far, in a couple of episodes, so far, not bad. We do not have a, a guest in this episode, so we're going to bore you with some of the topics uh, that we thought we would uh, catch up on. It's been a while since the last episode aired, Ted. I think uh, the last episode aired probably sometime in August, didn't it? Yeah, if not July, because I think we recorded in June and we did 10 episodes. So, yeah, you're probably right, probably August. How many weeks in a month now? Four usually, sometimes five? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. August sounds uh, that sounds about right. And because mm-hmm. Terry's not in Montreal, uh, Poseidon and I just to piss Terry off have ordered sandwiches from Cafe Milano, and they're going to arrive at the studio in the middle of the podcast, and we're going to eat those sandwiches, Terry, while you watch us from uh, yeah. three thousand miles away. Yes. 
Thanks, fuckers. And you know what? It serves you right because you not being able to come to town for this season means that I can't go to Jaguar Land Rover Laval and uh, say, well, listen, Terry's coming into town and I need something to squire him around the city. And as one of our sponsors, I thought perhaps it would be good cross promotion if you would give us a vehicle for uh, me to squire Terry around town in. And they've been very, very accommodating in that department over the first uh, number of seasons of the podcast. We've sure. had uh, we had the Jaguar FX last or the F type last summer, that uh, ocean blue Jaguar coupe, yeah. And the prettiest girl I could entice into that thing in an I had it for a week, and the prettiest girl I could entice into it was Terry. <laughs> We've also had the Land Rover Defender, which is an absolute tank. It's a luxury high speed tank, <laughs> is what it is. Yeah, they 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 just have been so kind to us. And uh, my favorite thing about when you got the Land Rover was us trying to figure out how to get the songs to play on the radio. Yeah, trying to sync up our phones to the uh, the two old guys. <laughs> what in the Christ is going on there now? <laughs> and uh, we finally got it figured out, which is a tribute to how intuitive it is that we were actually able to figure it out. So between the Defender and the F-Type and the Land Rover Discovery Sport that they've loaned us and the Jaguar, uh, uh, the Jaguar F-Pace, SUV. Uh, we've done very well by Jaguar Land Rover Laval, and so will you if you are in the luxury in the market for one of those luxury vehicles, a Jaguar or a Land Rover. If you're in the market for any luxury vehicle, go to Jaguar Land Rover Laval before you buy. Just for the shopping experience, there you'll be treated right, whether you buy or not. Uh, you will be treated with respect and courtesy, and uh, the customer service experience there is second to none. JaguarLaval.com and LandRoverLaval.com, uh, the finest vehicles in all the land. You know, it's one of the things that uh, I wanted to talk about on this podcast anyway. I don't know if you can see, if you're watching on video, I'm I'm wearing my uh, Montreal Canadiens uh, hoodie yep. on uh, this occasion. And last night, or uh, 100, what night? Anyway, we were watching the hockey game. Uh, I think it was last night. We were watching the uh, the Habs uh, play Las Vegas. And uh, it's interesting because out here in British Columbia, for us, it's weird because the hockey games come on at 4.30. So on a, you know, on a Saturday afternoon at 4.30, before you've even thought about what you're going to have for dinner, um, you're watching the hockey game. And there's something very strange about it because – you know, when you grow up in Montreal and you, you watch a game, if you're at home with the the boys or the family watching the hockey game until, you know, 10, 10.30, in the third period, it's nighttime and, the, and the, the, day, the day is nearly done. Here in the third period, it's just coming up on about quarter to seven. Now so what are we going to do? Yeah, now it was, it's just really, really strange. And at one point, Jess turned to me last night and she said, you want to order a pizza from B&M? And I thought, yeah, I kind of do, but, you know, it'll probably take a day or two to get here. And we were, we began to talk about what is it about expat Montrealers and the thing that gets in your blood about Montreal. And I, I think it's, I think it's unlike, I don't know why my voice is squeaking, but I, I think it's unlike any other expats. Like I know Winnipeggers who've moved from Winnipeg. They don't really pine for the prairie and, you know, maybe sometime in the summertime. I know people that have moved from Calgary to Toronto and uh, they talk about Calgary, but, you know, they don't pine for, for Calgary. I know some Maritimers do, I think, eh, Ted? If you move from the Maritimes, you miss the Maritimes. But there's there's something about 
Montreal that just is, uh, it's, it's weird. It's, it's almost like a, a thing that gets in your blood. I have a theory. Okay. I think it's because a lot of people leave Montreal reluctantly. Mm-hmm. And it's because they've sort of, yeah. to some extent, been forced out by circumstances. Whether they, whether they can't take the politics anymore or they can't take the weather anymore or they can't take the road conditions anymore or they don't get the same kind of opportunity here that they might get in other cities, they have to leave. And uh, I think that might have something to do with uh, that kind of forlorn feeling, if forlorn is the right word there, that longing that ex-Montrealers have for home. And there are also so many things that are unique to Montreal, particularly in the food department, I suppose, yeah. like yeah. smoked meat sandwiches and bagels. You're just not, you can still get a good bagel somewhere else and you can still get a good smoked meat sandwich somewhere else, but you can't, can't. get a Montreal bagel anywhere else and you can't get a Montreal smoked meat sandwich anywhere you else. Know, there's a place out not too far from where we live in the Fraser Valley uh, called Estorella's, and they 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 sell a, a Montreal smoked meat, and I was very very skeptical because uh, there's no such thing. You can't, you know, unless you fly the meat in from your favorite smoked meat place, uh, it's not going to be a Montreal smoked meat sandwich. They come close. Mm -hmm. I don't know where they get their smoked meat. Uh, they come close, but c'est pas la même chose. C'est jamais la même chose. Uh, no matter where you try it. I've tried it in Calgary. I've tried it in Winnipeg. And there's always those wacky signs that say, authentic Montreal smoked meat here. And I always go, no, it isn't. <laughs> it, just, it just isn't. But I love your theory, Ted, because we also, uh, both my wife and I, uh, <clears throat> left you know, reluctantly after I, I was pushed out of my work and she found another job. Um, there and and I think of of my friends that live in Calgary, in Vancouver, uh, in Toronto. A lot of them left because of political circumstances, language problems, whatever it is. You, I think you you may have solved the puzzle. Yeah, I don't think anyone is. Uh, well, I shouldn't say no one, but I mean most people don't say uh, you know fuck this place, let's get out of here. I hate this show. Um, I have a question, gentlemen. Yes, sorry to yes. interrupt. Um, why is it? Uh, the smoked meat is better here. Look, seafood, I can understand. It may be better at certain places or fruits or vegetables. But, I mean, I, I feel like you could get quality uh, red meat anywhere you are in the country. It's all, Poseidon, it's all in the smoking because okay. it's, <clears throat> it really, it's all in the smoking and the spices. Because if you go to Dunn's, you get a different smoked meat at Dunn's than you do at Schwartz's. And if you go to Schwartz's, you get a little bit of a different smoked meat than you do at the main. And if you go to the main, it's a little different than you do at Snowden Dell. Um, and all of those smoked meats, it's all in the smoking, the spices they use, and I guess the meat they use. And there's there's not a big enough demand in places like Calgary or Winnipeg or Toronto or or even here in Vancouver. There's not a big enough demand. Dunn's opened uh, a, a shop here in Vancouver and it didn't last. So I guess there, I guess you have to grow up around it to know what authentic smoked meat is, and it's just one of those things that people are always bragging about. You know, like when you talk to somebody out here who isn't from Montreal, they go, "Yeah, yeah, I know your stupid bagels and your <laughs> fucking smoked meat. Yeah, yeah, heard all about it." But the other thing that we found out in British Columbia is there isn't a big passion for food. 
And I don't know if it's the mm -hmm. history of the city and the province, but there isn't a real big passion. We haven't found it anyway. We, we're still looking for a restaurant that we love. I was about what? to... Uh, What's that? Sorry, I was about to say uh, uh, just now that it probably comes down to passion. Uh, yes. Uh, because I went to Quebec City a couple months ago for a show, and I had chicken and waffles. And it was some of the best chicken and waffles I've ever had in my damn life. But the, the cooks in the kitchen and the chefs and the owners of that little restaurant we ate at were passionate yeah. about about the food. Yeah. So. We we have a, we have a theory about uh, Quebec overall. Um, my wife and I have talked about this. People in Quebec are so passionate about food, and I'm talking about the people that make the food and the people that eat the food. That everything from a club sandwich, or a smoked meat sandwich, or a hot dog, all the way up to you know foie gras and duck à l'orange and all you know all of the other stuff, is that. You can't get away with serving shit food yeah. in Quebec. You well, can't. It, it makes sense because the the Quebecois were ex-French. Yes. And the 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 rest of uh, Canada are ex-English. Yeah, like if you if you open a hot dog stand and you don't give a shit about what kind of hot dog you're serving, I know this sounds absurd, but wouldn't you agree with me, Ted? If you you open a hot dog stand and you don't give a shit about the sheen show and the fritz that you're pushing out. You're not going to last. People no, you're not. Oh. And at the same time, you can't rest on your laurels. I went last summer to uh, a famous smoked meat restaurant in Montreal, and I'm not going to name it, but it was shite. And it was a place <laughs> where I've had many a good smoked meat sandwich yes. over yeah. the years. It was absolute shit. And it was yes. overpriced shit yes. as well. <laughs> and it's because... They were resting on their laurels. I don't yes. think they were just having a bad day because I shared that that experience with a few people, and they said, "You too, eh?" And was it was I too? It, no. Okay. No, it was really disappointing because this is a place that has uh, a, a longstanding good name and and good reputation. And I don't know if it's a COVID thing or what it is, but uh, I was I was very disappointed. It was the last time I went, and I suppose I should give them another chance and see if yeah. they can redeem themselves. Yeah, well, the last time we were in, or maybe the time before that, that that I came in for the podcast, you and I went to a long-standing old school place uh, that has seen its better days. Yeah, you weren't impressed with that. That was the place no. we went with Sean from Voswin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that that uh, that's another place that's uh, you know been sitting on a a reputation for a long time. And I I agree with you. You can't you can't rest on your laurels. No, and I just think. I just think Montrealers and Quebecers, by and large, are very particular about you know what they eat and where they eat it. I got a story about uh, chicken and waffles. Uh, I was at another place that shall go unnamed, and uh, there uh, I looked up on the chalkboard daily special fried chicken and waffles. I'd never heard of that before. I didn't know it was a thing, and I thought, fuck, very that's, southern. I think that sounds great. Fried chicken and waffles. I love them both. Never tried them in combination. Let's give it a go. So they bring me out a a couple of pieces of fried chicken and an ego. <laughs> no way. And I said to the waitress, "No way. That's an ego." And she went, "I know." <laughs> what? Oh, that's absurd. So I called the owner cuz I know him. I yeah. called him up and I said, "Listen, I ordered the fried chicken and waffles at your joint today, and I was really excited, but it was an ego." And he said, "You're kidding." 
<laughs> and I said, I'm not. And he said, well, I'm going to look into that. And, and uh, so I don't know if that was the end of the fried chicken and waffles at that particular place or if they upped their waffle game, but uh, it was a fucking ego. Like it was like an ego from, it was a Kellogg's fucking ego from the IGA. I had fried chicken and waffles at the day after my daughter's wedding in old Montreal at a place yeah. on, uh, and it begins with C, Capioli, Capaluni, Capicoli, uh, mm-hmm. in Plashock Carche. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a lunch, a brunch, the day after the wedding brunch. <laughs> and they had chicken and waffles. Yes. And boy, oh boy, did they get it right. Wow. So if, now you're a convert to oh, that. Oh, man, I love it. I Well, if it's done right, it's like most yeah. things. If it's done right, it's delicious. I think if you want good chicken and waffles, maybe a Belgian place might be, uh, might I, be a good I choice. I don't know about that, Ted, because I think the origin of, of it is uh, deep in the south. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it was uh, – I think it's a – I could be wrong about this, and I'm, I'm sure if I am wrong about it, somebody's yelling at the podcast, yeah. but – uh, I think it's a uh, it's a it's a southern dish. Maybe I should have ordered that in Jacksonville when I was yeah, in Jacksonville. There you go. Yeah, I should, I should. I should have asked the Uber driver when she let me get a word in edgewise. I'm 43 <laughs> and my oldest baby is 28. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? You waited until you were 15? Wow. <laughs> you old maid. By the way, I've pulled up the story, the uh, origin okay. story of the uh, chicken and waffles. Gotcha. <clears throat> One story of the history of chicken and waffles begins in Harlem in the 1930s. Specifically, a restaurant named Wells Supper Club is listed as the origin of the recipe. Chicken and waffles were on the menu at this Harlem restaurant back during the jazz era of music. There you go. That sounds like a fit, eh? I think yeah. I think this came from the birth of, uh, in the sense of like, you wanted to eat a, like a meal, but dessert at the same time. There you go. You hey, wanted to save some money. There might have been English cream involved in those really good chicken and waffles that I had uh, in old Montreal. Does that sound like it would uh, be a fit? Yeah, that's a possibility. If they cook their waffles with English cream, that's there was uh, some kind of there was some kind of cream involved. Anyway, it was absolutely delicious. It was. Better. I was gonna I was gonna tweet this the other day. I was watching. I don't know what it was. I haven't had an ego in a thousand years, and I, I boy, they make egos look good on TV. When when they when you see an ego commercial, I, I guess that's the whole point of the advertising. And now that I'm into this story, I realize how stupid it is. Well, no, but, but you know, eggs. but that's what they do. You know, the, who else did that was uh, was uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken did that with that sandwich that was a what the what was it? It was oh, yeah, the chicken was the bread. No, yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah, two yeah, chicken yeah. fillets as bread, and what was in the middle? Bacon, bacon and cheese or something was in the middle. And I, they made it look so good. So I hustled over and I ordered one up and it was awful. <laughs> it was just awful. But I, I don't know if you noticed this and we're completely off on a tangent now, Ted, but I. The double down, by the way. Sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, that's the, it. Yeah. The double down. Yeah. I, I find that that more and more and I because I go to them less and less now. Fast food restaurants has they've given up, you know the 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 stuff that they serve up that is you know like McDonald's keeps their meat in a drawer, and and they yeah. take the meat out of the drawer when you order a burger, and they fling it on a bun and squirt ketchup mustard on it and put a pickle on it, and when I get it and I open it up I think, what a sad load of shit this is. What am I doing? 
And it's the same thing at the other the other places too. They it's kind of like sort of assembled garbage that they fling at you and and I don't know what I'm, you know, I, I said to my wife the other day, she said, you know, I'm craving a McDonald's cheeseburger. And I said, I'll have one with you too. And you open it up and you think it's cold, it's soggy, the cheese isn't melted. And that I know they've taken the meat out of a drawer where it's been sitting. Like, what are we, what are we doing? Why and they, we order this? And they charge you 20 bucks now for a trio or close yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I worked at McDonald's when I was a kid and I remember how they used to prepare they actually prepared the food, like on a grill, and it you know toasted buns, and then it came out hot. And, and there were standards and, that you had yeah, to adhere yeah, to, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I find today, you know, the you know the the bacon they use is that manufactured whatever it is. Yeah. It isn't bacon; it's what they call restaurant bacon. It's just it seems to me that it's just got worse and worse over the years. And 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 as you point out. Whatever you see on television is not what's in the bag at the drive-thru. I'll tell you what, though. The double-down notwithstanding, because that was just awful, I still love me some Kentucky Fried, and I don't care if it's pigeon or squirrel. I still fucking love it. <laughs> and I think it's the, it's the skin, right? And whatever yeah. whatever they flavor the skin with, that's the uh, that's that's what keeps me coming back. Well, it's it was the colonel, that magnificent bastard. And apparently, he apparently he was a right bastard. I remember reading up it's on him right. one time. He did a thousand different things before he became uh, the the uh, the kingpin of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Like he was a train conductor and all kinds. He had all kinds of different jobs. Wow. And then finally, he hit on Kentucky Fried and uh, and found his fortune. Well, it was a long way around from what is it about that makes Montreal special. And I guess we could start with the food. And I have to say, I love your theory because of the thousands and thousands of ex-Montrealers that you see on Facebook or you know in person or that are across the country. I think Ted's on to something about people who left and didn't necessarily want to go, much like my mother and father. When my dad... There you go. My dad's company uh, was part of the first wave of English people that fled up the 401, and he didn't have a choice. His company was moving. He had kids to feed, and uh, and he had to go with the company, and they didn't want to go back in 1977. No, uh, and uh, they weren't alone either. There was uh, there was a big exodus back then, and, a, and I think a smaller one around the time of the second uh, referendum, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. and and I uh, it's, it's I, just a... It's been a, a strange phenomenon the last these last couple of months. My wife and I uh, have been talking about Montreal an awful lot. So thanks for solving that puzzle for me, Ted. I appreciate that very much. I want to ask you about your Pink Floyd experience, sir. I went to uh, Pink Floyd, Their Mortal Remains. It's an exhibition that's at the Arsenal Museum of Contemporary Art on William Street down in... That uh, title. Was that their mortal remains? Yeah. Uh, is that in St. Henry or Little Burgundy or on the border between the two? Yeah, it's uh, right on the border between the two, I think. Uh, it was absolutely spectacular. Uh, to begin with, Nick Mason was there, the longtime drummer for, well, the only drummer yeah. for Pink Floyd. I think I heard that night that he's the only band member who's been on every album. He's been there since the beginning. So he was there. He said a few words, and he was uh, he was a kindly old gentleman. Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing to look at him and go, rock and roll drummer? <laughs> but all those guys now, all those guys, all those big rock stars from the 1970s are all pushing 80 years old now. Uh, yeah, it really is surprising. Yeah, and he had a few nice things to say, and the exhibit was spectacular. All kinds of different artifacts from the uh, 
from Pink Floyd down through the years, including stage props. Uh, and I think two of them are from a couple of concerts at the Big O, those giant balloons. And I'm not sure if they're replicas or if they're actually from those shows, but I'm guessing they're from those shows because I got yes. the impression that they wanted to make this uh, exhibit legit. And there are musical instruments and uh, other stage props and uh, album covers and posters and pictures and recordings. And uh, the part where you'll cry, <laughs> if you're from our generation, is when you come to the, uh, the Wish You Were Here exhibit. And they have uh, David Gilmore and Roger Waters uh, later in life into their, I would say in their 60s when they're interviewing them. And they each have a guitar. And it's separate interviews, I believe. Uh, but they cut back and forth, and they're both playing their guitar and talking about Wish You Were Here and playing the chords from Wish You Were Here. And then David Gilmore starts to sing it, and that's when you pack it in. Yeah. Were you were you sobbing in front of it? I wasn't. Or? I was not. I was not. So, there were no heaving sobs. I was not yeah. weeping openly, but I said, that's pretty good. <laughs> that uh, it has such a the, the band has such a special connection to the city because if you're a Pink Floyd fan, you know the story. Uh, about the uh, the show in Montreal uh, where uh, Roger Waters spit on a fan who was at the show, and that was the uh, the start of his uh, thought process for the Wall. So there wouldn't have been uh, an a double album, the biggest double albums, uh, biggest selling double album of all time, uh, at last check, if it wasn't for their connection with the city in Montreal. And I read a couple of interviews with Nick Mason in these last couple of weeks, and he said that the city's appreciation, the Montreal, specifically the Francophone population, and their appreciation of uh, art rock, as they call it, um, had made made for such a special connection for you know Pink Floyd, uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Genesis, uh, I think, was big here. Yeah, Genesis was was huge. It's the way Chris DeBerg got going. You know, a whole list of artists. Super Tramp. Super Tramp. Yeah. Uh, all of those artists were, had special, special connections uh, with the city. And when you think about it, without that show at the Olympic Stadium all those years ago, Roger Waters would have never written The Wall. It's an interesting connection. I didn't know that story about yeah. Roger Waters. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 he spit on a fan and felt so bad about it. Like afterwards. he did it deliberately? Yeah, he did. He wow. did, and and uh, you can Google it, and and you'll find you'll be able to read the story about it. And he was he was so um, he he was you know he regretted it so much, and he, he he began to think of a wall. What if there was a wall between the audience and us? And that sort of spurred on this, uh, uh, you know, this not not just the album, but the show where they, you know, if you've ever seen Pink Floyd the Wall when they were touring it. They actually build the wall during the show. Wow. And that all that all started with that incident all those years ago. Look what I got, uh, Ter. Bastards, you that's bastard. uh that's steak and capicoli sandwich uh, from man. Cafe Milano on Jerry Street. Yes. And uh, they uh, both have cheese, on. yeah. One of them one of them's all dressed Poseidon and one of them is not mine is not. So see which one is Tara, why don't you do a commercial while Poseidon and I eat our steak and capicoli sandwiches? I go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got yours there, Poseidon. I will do a, uh, I'll do a commercial because I'd like to lie down. I'd rather not watch this. I'm going to do a, a commercial for my friends at Matt Labonneur. Uh, Matt Labonneur have been uh, in the uh, sleep business, as they like to call it, for a very long time. It is a family-run business. 
that has been uh, delivering for over 25 years. Better night sleeps uh, to uh, families all across the uh, greater Montreal region. They really did. They started in a small store uh, on Gwen Boulevard in St. Genevieve uh, with a pickup truck and a couple of members of the family. And they've become, over the years, such passionate folks about a better night's sleep. And that's what I love about them. They uh, they carry all the big names of mattresses. They have a beautiful shopping experience in all their stores. Um, and uh, the thing that I love about them, though, is their family run. The, the staff is all extremely well-trained. You'll know right away, as soon as you walk into a store, you're going to see they're going to get, you're going to get a really wonderful, warm welcome. They'll ask you what you're looking for. They'll ask you a couple of questions about the way you sleep. They'll steer you in the direction of uh, mattresses that they think would work for you. And then they'll leave you alone. You can flop around on them. Uh, you can bounce up and down on them. You can, it's a really nice shopping experience where nobody is pressuring you. The stores are designed around a mattress experience like that, and uh, it really, really is a great way to make a tough decision because it's a tough decision when you're in a mattress store trying to decide, to decide if this is the thing you're going to be on for the next 10, 20 years. So whether you're looking for a new mattress for the kids or maybe the kids have moved out and it's time for you to change your mattress, find a store near you, matlabonar.ca. There are locations all over the greater Montreal area. And don't forget, you can uh, offer up the codes, the promo codes TERO4 and TEDO5, or maybe it goes the other way around. But tell them uh, you've been listening to the Terry and Ted podcast, and uh, they'll offer you up a promo code and a discount. Matla Bonner. Now, Ted, you bastard. Now do UPS Store Canada. I'm not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> Did you order that on Uber? Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. Because that was really fast. Yeah. Well, I, was about, I, I shouldn't be talking about that. Well, that's all right. It's steak and capico. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it figures because Cafe Milano is right down the street from the uh, the studio that I'm not able to be in, where Ted and Poseidon are. Uh, Poseidon, Terry, Poseidon. it's called steak and gabagoo. Oh, I stick a gabagoo. Yeah, stick a gabagoo. You're just, it's way, it's right at the corner, eh? Uh, Poseidon is just. Oh, down no, the road. that's Gentile. Oh, that's Gentile. Yeah. What am I? Yeah. Oh, there's one. I was, according to the Uber Eats app, there's one on Jerry, and, and the, but the original's out in St. Leonard, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Cafe Milano. And it seems to me that I saw that they were going to open on the West Island as well. Mm hmm. I don't well, know if they did, but I, there was I, talk of that. I couldn't be more jealous. That's mm. all I can tell you about. Because we started talking about food and uh, Montreal, and you know where we live now, and where we live now, you can get uh, you can get pretty much nothing. You can uh, you can you can go to hell. <laughs> there's there's a lot of chain restaurants, um, and uh, people out here are accustomed to that. There are no places like that. The Cafe Milano, that kind of thing. I wanted to order uh, cannolis as well, and Poseidon, exercising great discipline, said no. Oh no! And I was, I was actually, I was looking at a picture, at a picture of myself, a picture from that Pink Floyd thing the other day. I took a picture with uh, yeah. Randy Renault, our great and yeah. good friend and longtime yeah. show announcer, and Andre Udon. Do you know Andre? Yes, I know Andre very well. Yeah, promoter. He was one of the big yes. promoters on on, yes. on site there. And anyway, I looked at myself and I thought, Christ, am I putting back on the weight that no, I've? No, 
No, you're Did not. I, are you that. sure? Anyway, I, I spoke I spoke to Sam, my son, yeah. uh, who keeps himself in really good shape and who's got a good balance of exercise and diet. And uh, he said, uh, well, what do you eat every day? So I sent him a list of what I eat every day. And he told me, cut out the chicken and waffles. <laughs> <laughs> no, he told me the things he told me to cut out, interestingly, cereal. And and when I eat cereal, I eat like you know uh, vector or or yeah. honey or uh, not honey nut multigrain Cheerios or, but apparently those things are just loaded with sugar. Yeah, like they you know they try to fool you into thinking that they're healthy. He so he said cut that out and he said cut out, pardon me, cut out your toast with peanut butter and jam because I eat two slices of toast with peanut butter and jam every day. He said cut that out, and I said well what am I going to have instead? And he said have for the cereal replace it with oatmeal mm-hmm. or oats. Oats, yeah. he said, you know, but you got to get good. Again, you got to get the good stuff, not the stuff that's all loaded down with sugar. Right. Anyway, I'll start that tomorrow. I'm going to finish the sandwich first. <laughs> I've actually got, I want, speaking of Sam, I wanted to play and I, okay. I sent it to Poseidon. I want to give Sam and his buddies a plug because they're very, very funny and they work hard. Sam goes to Toronto Metropolitan University, formerly known as Ryerson, until they tore the statue down and wrote the guy out of history. Right. And he studies uh, sports media. And he does uh, a show with his a uh, couple of his classmates called uh, Fourth and Inches, and it's a football show. And they do it on uh, Spirit Radio Live, which is the Ryerson uh, University radio station. And on Halloween, or a couple of days before Halloween, they did a special Halloween edition where they all got dressed up. And uh, uh, Sam, Sam dressed up as, uh, I don't know if he's supposed to be uh, Lance Armstrong or just, you know, take your pick of, Tour de France competitors. And on every episode, Sam comes up with a a fake sponsor. He just makes up a sponsor and writes a spoof commercial. So this one made me laugh pretty hard. So I I emailed it to Poseidon, and he's going to... If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see Sam, and that's why I mentioned the getup. That's why he's wearing a a helmet and sunglasses and a biking jersey. And if you... uh, uh, Even if you can't see it, just just to hear it is pretty funny. Let me just bring it right in with the ad read. Okay. Start us off. Today's episode of Fourth and Inches. The listening uh, to the audio of the broadcast is giving Ted a chance to continue eating the delicious sandwich. Um, And we're just waiting for. Hold on. Hold on. Let me just bring it right in with the ad read. The video is being a little bit buggy. I got to bring it right in with the ad read. Probably a lot, right? Let me just bring it right in with the ad read. Why the fuck is it doing that? That's fucking weird. (laughs) This is absurd. Let me just now you have right a behind-the-scenes look okay. at what happens during the recording of, of the podcast. Uh, Poseidon wants to know is good. Talk. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. We're gonna be we're gonna be quiet for a second, okay. gentlemen. All right, yeah. let's go. We're just gonna let him talk, even though it's bugging. Right. Let me just bring it right in with the ad read. Okay, start us off. Today's episode of Fourth and Inches, the objectively correct football opinion, is brought to you by Cigarettes for Kids. Well. How many times has your baby woken up in the I don't hear of much the talking in hysterics self. because of nicotine withdrawals? Probably a lot, right? Tell me if this sounds familiar. You're in the bathtub with the window cracked. Oh, you can't hear this, Terry. The, hello? hello? Uh, Terry, it is playing, but you can't hear it, apparently. Not a word, sir. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, that, yeah, you can't hear this because, of, because of Skype situation. Okay. All right. Okay, should we play it anyway or should we forget it? Um, I let's play it for the viewers. Okay. Yeah. Let me just bring absolutely. it right in with the ad read. Nicotine withdrawals, probably a lot, right? Tell me if this sounds familiar. You're in the bathtub with the window cracked, you know, smoking a cigarette. 
while your husband's passed out in the dining room floor. And your baby comes in going, Oh, mommy, mommy, give me one drag, please. I'm begging you. Just one goo goo gaga. You know, but you, you know the nicotine will just give that poor baby a crazy head rush. So, well, now you can give them the head rush that they deserve with cigarettes for kids. But only two of the 20 cigarettes have nicotine. So 18 of them are just for play. And two of them are actually going to hit that hit that boy where it hurt. Or girl. You know, uh, the baby will be in for a nice treat. Uh, and they won't know when it's coming. Cigarettes for kids. Soon to be discontinued. What that do you think? That sounds lovely. That's pretty good. Eh? Oh, okay. That sounds lovely. Not bad. Thank God they sponsored us. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Tara. I'm sorry that you couldn't hear that, but I think you've seen it already. Didn't I, I send that to you? Yeah, you, you did. Yeah. You and I had a, a chat about it, actually. We'd ha we talked about how funny Sam is. Cigarettes for kids, soon yeah. to be discontinued. <laughs> <laughs> so that's I'm, Sam and his two buddies on uh, Spirit Live Radio on, on um, formerly Ryerson um, University. And Sam and a couple of his other friends have done some uh, very funny videos that they post on their YouTube channel, which is called Prison Pants. Sam and uh, Rory Moldovsky and Gavriel uh, Alaton or Alaton, uh, if you go to Prison Pants on uh, YouTube, they've got some pretty funny videos on there. They're funny prison young men, those guys. That's what you do. You Google or you, you, you type in Prison Pants? Just go to YouTube and type in Prison Pants and you should find their videos. <laughs> And I would have. My imagination is running wild as to what else comes up when you type in prison pants. <laughs> don't type it in on Pornhub. Yeah. <laughs> and don't ask Gay me why sex. I know. <laughs> All right. Well, Ted isn't quite finished his sandwich, so uh, let me tell you, as he asked me to, uh, to uh, tell you about my friends at uh, UPS. You know, we're talking about. Uh, fast delivery of those uh, sandwiches, and uh, I have to turn away uh, because I can't have any. Um, my friends at UPS, the UPS Store Canada, David Drucker is at the uh, the head of this organization that has over 300 locations all across the country. You know there's one near you. Uh, if you live on the West Island and you drive up Sources Road, you drive by one every day. They're all over the place, and uh, what they do is they make things easier for you. They make your life easier. If you run a small business and you're looking for shipping, uh, they can handle that. If you're looking for packing, they can handle that. If you've got uh, pieces, parts that are left over from a move, like my wife and I did, they can handle that. Uh, if you've got stuff you need to pack that's very fragile, they can help you with that. If you want to do your own packing and uh, and uh, put it in the car, uh, they can help you with boxes and tape. If you've got contracts that need faxing or sending across the country, if you've got something important that has to get from here to there in a big hurry, it's all one stop at the UPS Store Canada. And when you get there, you'll be dealing with somebody who lives in your neighborhood who knows what it is to run a small business because they're all entrepreneurs running these small businesses. If you have a small business or you just have something that you want to hurry up and get to your family across the country or cookies to grandma just around the corner, they'll handle it for you. The UPS Store Canada. Just go online and you'll find a location near you. We thank the UPS Store Canada uh, for their, their help with the podcast and they'll help you too. That sandwich is going to last forever. Ted. You know what? 
It was a funny bit for the first 20 seconds, and now it's just rude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Say, yeah. You uh, you should have waited to after to have your lunch there, young man, uh, because we wanted we wanted. There's a couple of things, uh, topics that we wanted to wanted to cover, including uh, including uh, Remembrance Day, which I know is important to you. And as you know, Ted, my wife is much younger than me, comes from another generation. It's very very important to her. Last week, she said, uh, uh, "I'm going to drop by the local legion and see if I can help them out with their poppy campaign." and uh, volunteered to uh, uh, to sell poppies because, as you know, uh, it's getting harder and harder to find a veteran uh, who is still capable of, uh, you know, a veteran from the old wars, yeah. I mean. I know there are a lot of veterans from different campaigns who are still out uh, with poppies, but they, they just seem to me to be getting harder and harder to find. And last night when I was watching the hockey game, uh, the two broadcasters that were broadcasting from the West – uh, had permanent pot poppies. And my wife and I both commented to each other, we don't like those permanent poppies. I get it. They don't fall off and you don't have to buy one every year. And to me, that's the problem. Um, if you buy a permanent poppy, who's going to buy the poppies? That yeah. The why would they need, why would they need to set up the poppy stands and out yeah. of sight is out of mind? Yeah, and it's not jewelry, by the way. It shouldn't be jewelry. That's not the idea of it. That event I went to last week, uh, the Pink Floyd thing, and and this is not a judgment. It's an observation. But that I could tell of about maybe 300 people who were there, I was the only one wearing a poppy. Wow. And my friend Dave said, you know, predominantly Francophone crowd, that might have had something to do with it. Uh, and I know that there are a lot of French Quebecers who've served and who uh, who have uh, close emotional and historical and family connections uh, with uh, World War II veterans. Um, but Dave seemed to think that, by and large, it's just not something that French Quebecers observe to the extent that uh, that English Canadians do. I think that's true because you and I remember the stories when you and I were doing the radio show um, uh, all those years, every single fall, every single one without exception, there was always a story of, uh, a person or a veteran or an organization being turned away from a mall, from a store. You know, there was always a, there was always a local brouhaha about, you know, the local manager of this supermarket or the local manager of that department store had turned down the, uh, the, the organization. Legion. Yeah. Or the, or the veterans the, or the local yeah, legion. Yeah. And you and I would go on the air and and go on and on about it and say, you know, what is it that people don't understand about what they're trying to do here? I never understood it. But I think you're probably right. It has something to do. Um, it may be steeped in history or uh, maybe a lack of understanding. I don't know what it is, but it just seems to be a thing in Quebec. Well, like I say, it's not a, it's not a judgment on my part. No. It's just an observation. And I would welcome anyone who would like to offer an explanation or even a rebuttal. Yeah, uh, I'd I'd be happy to hear it. Yeah, and and I think I I think it's important. And and I've I've often you know you used to make fun of me. You every year you'd say it's time for your uh, dying on the beaches story, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> remember that every year you'd say it's yeah. Men didn't die on the beaches for this. Yeah, exactly. And and it's. It's a uh, it's something that's still important to me. I I, I bought a poppy just uh, last week from a veteran who was in our local uh, supermarket, 
and I was able to shake his hand and engage him. He had served uh, in Cyprus. Oh, really? Uh, eh? Peacekeeping. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was a peacekeeper in Cyprus because, you know, he, he wasn't, uh, you know, like I said, you, you, there are not, there are not very many veterans left from World War II. Well, if you, uh, if you were 20 years old on D-Day, you're 98 now. Yeah. There you go. So, so. I picked up poppies at a couple of different grocery stores on the West Island. In both instances, the table was there, uh, but there was no one uh, attending to the table. So, yeah. and, and, the situation that creates is that anyone can just walk by and grab the grab the money box, and and you know not everybody is uh, is aware or respectful enough that uh, that they would understand how absolutely odious it would be to do something like that. Yeah, and I, I had a conversation with somebody last week with a buddy of mine uh, who uh, saw my poppy and then and. Uh, uh, and then said, yeah, I, I, I keep dropping them. You know, I keep losing them. I wish there was something they could do about it. And I said, I, I don't understand this. I hear this all the time. Yeah, I, I bought one, but it, it fell off and it's gone now. Well, buy another one. Like what's wrong with buying another one? You know, if, it, you know, like if you, if it falls off your clothing and they often do to me, that's another opportunity to just buy another one and shake another veteran's hand. Yeah. And it's not like there's a price tag on them. And no, no. One's, no one expects you to put a $50 bill in the thing. Put in a dollar and take a poppy. Yeah. Um, if you, that's what, you know, if I've got something to say about it, there you go. Uh, that uh, put, your, uh, put your money where your mouth is. And if your poppy falls off, uh, just buy another one and give what you can. No one is judging you when you, you go to buy a poppy. This would be a good place to say uh, uh, tip of the cap to a Joy Elias. Because boy, Joy Elias is a big, big fan and a big, big uh, supporter and uh, sometimes a rescuer of the local legions. When the LaSalle Legion ran into tax trouble, Joey organized a fundraising comedy show. I was the MC, and uh, that helped LaSalle get its affairs straightened out. And Joey just never stopped. And now he's got a, he's got a tour called uh, Joey Elias and the Legion of Friends. Oh, there you go. And we do stand-up comedy shows at legions all around uh, the Montreal area to raise money for those legions. We've done LaSalle, Lachine, Verdun. Uh, by the time this episode is uh, is posted, we will have done Hudson. And we've also got Roxborough in the works because there was a fire at yeah. the Roxborough Legion. And uh, they desperately need help. So Joey and Ken Doran who organizes and promotes those shows, got right on that. So uh, so Roxborough is uh, is coming up as well. Have you ever been in an actual poppy field? No, I've never been in a poppy field. Have you? I was in one in Sicily. Uh, interestingly and appropriately enough, when I was over in Sicily doing social media for Op Husky, uh, which is a military remembrance project where we go over and we walk in the footsteps of the Canadian soldiers who landed in Sicily and helped liberate that island. And on one specific day, our walk took us right through the middle of a poppy field. Wow. And I thought to myself, wow, is that ever apropos? Yeah. And I'm not sure why poppies grow in Sicily, but they do. I oh. mean, the famous poem about Flanders Fields, that's in Belgium. I don't know whether or where poppies grow here. I don't know that I've ever seen a poppy in my travels in Canada. If they can grow in Belgium, they can grow here because it's yeah. roughly the same climate. Belgium's climate might be a little more moderate. 
but it was nice. It was beautiful. That's all I got, Ter. I'm going to have some more sandwich. <laughs> I wish you'd finish that fucking sandwich. <laughs> I can hear you. I can hear you trying to dispense with the bits in your mouth. <laughs> and every time I... We've got to support your veterans. <laughs> I can... I can see when you're not eating it, I can see you gazing at it lovingly, and I'm thinking, just finish the goddamn sandwich so we can get on with it. <laughs> well, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to do a soliloquy because I got a good three bites left. Is as Poseidon Poseidon eating the sandwich? Is is he got his sandwich uh, going? I finished my sandwich a long time ago, buddy. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, that's I'm because... A, I'm a vacuum. I'm holding, I'm holding Ted up by making him <laughs> talk. <so laughs> Join Terry and Ted for their podcast <laughs> called Lunch Break. Ted scoffs down a gabigol. What is it? A steak and gabigol? No, gabigol. steak and gabagoo. Gabagoo! <laughs> Come on, what do you eat at the Is that how you say Capicoli in St. Leonardis? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's, um, I also wanted, you know, we were talking, I wanted to talk to you about stand-up because you've become so good at uh, stand-up and as you have told me, uh, so comfortable. And I had uh, a chat with a buddy of mine who asked me a couple of weeks ago, about whether or not I miss doing a radio show, and I do. I really, really do. Uh, I have a lot of fun with you on the weekend on Saturday at Light 106.7. Uh, we cobbled together a 9 to noon show that we, we really do enjoy because Ted and I, as you can tell from listening to the podcast, we enjoy hanging. And I, and I, do, I do miss doing the radio show, but I wonder how I would... Um, I, I wonder how I would uh, fare these days. Because as we've covered on the podcast before, um, I you know it was a retirement party, but I I I, I wasn't re, you know I was retired. I didn't retire, and uh, there's no room left for experienced uh, broadcasters in the broadcast business. Uh, so I sit on the sidelines, and uh, as much as I enjoy retirement, I do miss the radio show. But I wonder if I could survive. Because when I did radio and when I do it with you on Saturday, Ted, and when we do it with this podcast, I speak my mind. I talk about things that are important to me and I talk about things that I think are important to people who are listening. And uh, maybe not this, maybe the podcast isn't important to people who are listening, but I, I, I like to express my opinion. And today uh, you, you, you can't really express your opinion on a lot of things without the fear of crucifixion socially. Well, above and, and sorry, go ahead. And and I, I wondered if you 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 thought about I I'll give you an example. My 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 wife said to me, "Don't say that publicly." I said, <laughs> I said, "Why not?" And she said, "Well, that's something you and I are talking about." And I'll tell you what it was. We were watching hockey and um they announced that uh, TVA had made an agreement, a deal, to cover the new, and I don't know much about it, the new uh, professional women's hockey league, mm -hmm. and that there are going to be games covered and that you'll be able to watch the women's hockey on television. And she said to me, I'm not, I, I wouldn't watch that. And I said, well, neither would I. 
And then we started to talk about, she said, you know, you can't say that publicly. And I said, why can't I say that I think it's important that women are able to play hockey? I love that they can play it at a professional level. If women can play hockey and be paid for it like men can, that's wonderful. I think that's a great opportunity. And Godspeed and God bless them. And I hope it goes well. I don't want to watch it. It's too slow for me. And you're under yeah. no obligation to watch it, nor no. are you under any obligation to promote it. No. And but my wife said to me, don't say that publicly. And I said, like, why not? You know, that's that's just why I, I don't. I'm because that's the lay of the land these days, and you would be yeah. a misogynist if you said that publicly. I'll listen to the old white guy. He doesn't want to hear, uh, doesn't want to see women's hockey. But that's not what it is. I, yeah, I, just, I understand. I just, Listen, you know what? I coached women's hockey in Westmount 25 years ago. I coached women's hockey. My buddy Tim Robert and I coached ringette when we were in high school. And I, I, I just think it's fantastic that there's going to be a women's professional hockey league. I think it's fantastic that women will be paid to play hockey just like guys are. I think it's terrific. And, and you know, if, if, Daughters and aunts and and you know you've you've got a you've got a, a somebody to to uh, to look up to as a professional hockey player if you're a young girl I think it's fantastic, but am I going to sit down on a Tuesday night and tune in to TVA and watch the coverage? I'm not. But 20, I guess that makes me bad. Yeah, you're a bad bad man. Twenty five years ago, when you were coaching women's hockey, one day the Mix ninety six Mighty Yucks hockey team, of which I was a member had a game against the Concordia women's hockey team. And we were all in our 20s and 30s and in you know, half-decent shape, and we thought, you know, we'll go out and play the gals. We'll go out and show these gals how to play the game. I think they beat us about 25 to 1 or something like that. <laughs> like, they kicked the living shit yes. out of us. Yes. Because they're good hockey players, yeah. and they're yeah. a hawk, they were a well-coached, well-disciplined yeah. hockey team. And, uh, and they made mincemeat out of us. But I don't want to. I'm like you. I, I have no interest. I might watch a game sometime if I'm flipping through the channel. I might stop and watch it for a little bit, just like I might be flipping through tomorrow. And uh, oh, the CFL playoff game is on, and I might watch that. I might stick with it. I might not. I don't know. But there's no obligation, and 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 to be, you know, under some kind of, you know, to have to uh, endorse it under duress is wrong. And you should be able to say, you know what, good for them, but I'm not interested. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I, but this is that's what led me to my question about stand-up comedy because I guess in a comedy club, you know, they they're now throwing things at comedians because you know, or escorting comedians out of places where you know people didn't get their trigger warnings or they're offended or whatever. And that's what led me to believe. You know, or led me to say to my buddy, I don't know how I would fare on broadcast, uh, you know, on ter uh, terrestrial broadcast signals today, because I would want to speak my mind and I would want to be honest with the, the audience, like I always have been. And if I said something like that, you know, they, you know, this Ted, the oh, yeah. email, would yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the comedy thing I think is uh, is is fairly rare, and Poseidon could speak to this more than me because he spends time in comedy clubs. Uh, when he's touring with Pantelis and Mike Ward. I saw the video of the person who threw the beer bottle that smashed, uh, yes. or the glass of beer that smashed right next to that woman comedian's head, which was ridiculous. Oh, I saw that. 
Yeah, and the Will Smith, Chris Rock thing was what really got the ball rolling on that. Someone came after Dave Chappelle shortly after that. <laughs> but by and large, Poseidon, I've, I think it's extremely rare for there to be any kind of a physical altercation between an audience member and a comedian. Have you seen it live in clubs? No. I haven't seen, I haven't seen anything like that yet. Uh, I kind of do hope it happens. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I hope that never happens while I'm there. Um, uh, but yeah, no, uh, mostly peaceful. I mean, because we we toured a lot recently with with Mike and uh, Pantels had his own show. So I've only been to to shows where people have really. Um, been there to see the comedian in question um i feel like stuff like this people won't really do at open mics um i've been to open mics on my own i feel like this is something people would do on bigger shows and stuff like that try to fuck around well if you're going to see pantella sorry i got a mouthful of sandwich again <laughs> if you're going to see pantella or mike ward you know you're going to hear some dark comedy yeah. and and some things that might offend some people um, but that's what you signed up for. It's Comedy Club. This is uh, this is going to be the episode that people are going to say, yeah, yeah, I listened to the episode where Ted was eating the sandwich. I remember that one well. But I, this is this is a thing that I, I, I think it's a little concerning, to be honest with you, that there are things that you, you know, the, the reaction that Jess had to me was like, oh, God, don't say that publicly. You'll get crucified. That's, that's, uh, to me, that's a chilling thing that you you know that you couldn't you couldn't have an an opinion and and sit at the same table with somebody you know. And you and I have talked about this before, Ted, because we you know we we don't share exact uh, political uh, uh, not ideas, but you know there we're we're both somewhere in the center. And sometimes I lean a little left, and sometimes you you lean a, a little bit right. But now we're in an era where. That's just not acceptable. I, 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 you know, you see things on social media e everywhere and every day. It's like, well, why don't you just stop talking to those people? Why would you be friends with somebody who doesn't share your political views? And that's the kind of thing that I think is chilling. When yeah, you, that's what's crazy you know, to me. Yeah, you, you, you have a particular opinion, and I think, I, you know, I think me saying that I, you know, I wish them well, but I don't think I'm going to watch women's hockey. I don't think that makes me some kind of heretic. But a lot of people will will say that i am yeah yeah well I don't, I don't know what to tell you that's just it's the way it's the way of the world now and it's going to be interesting to see how social media evolves with elon musk owning twitter because uh his whole thing is he's a free speech absolutist you know who right. did something very very clever and funny on twitter was valerie bertinelli did you mm -hmm. see what she did no so he's charging eight dollars a month now if you want a, a blue check mark right for your verified account. Whereas before, the point of the verified account was to uh, prevent your account from being uh, duplicated or, or prevent anyone, anyone from pretending that they were you. And that doesn't exist anymore now. It's just you want, you want a verified account? You want the little blue check? Eight bucks a month, and it's yours. So now a whole bunch of people, including Valerie Bertinelli, have changed their names to Elon Musk <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter. I mean, she's still, her handle is still at Wolfie's mom, but right. the name that comes before the handle, her and a whole bunch of other people have put Elon Musk. But what she's done above and beyond that is she's also tweeting out uh, support uh, for Democratic candidates coming up to the midterm elections. 
right. in the United States, which could be over by the time this broadcast or this podcast is up. But anyway, she's using it as a she, she's taking what he's done and she's using it as a tool to uh, uh, promote her side uh, in the uh, in the American uh, political divide. And it's really quite clever what she's done. And she's done it in a in a in a funny and humorous kind right. of a way as well. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. There was an awful lot of people uh, uh, getting their arson or not uh, about Elon Musk. I, I, I'm on Twitter. You and I so, are both on Twitter, and we do well on Twitter. But I, I don't know what the uh, – I don't know what everybody was going crazy about it. I just don't give a shit. So the whole blue checkmark fiasco, I read something online. I don't know how true it is that allegedly <clears throat> Twitter employees were selling blue checkmarks at $15,000, over $15,000 a checkmark. <laughs> To really? people, yes. So people, some people had it like a crazy side hustle going on, at uh, who were working for Twitter. I don't know how true that is, but it would make sense why a lot of employees are upset at uh, Mr. Mask uh, taking over. Well, do he laid off a bunch, you, eh? No. Do you, Do you have a check mark, Ted? I don't know. I haven't even asked for. I've never applied for one. You? Well, I, you, yeah, I did. I have. I applied for one. My my wife said to me, "Why don't you apply for one?" Um, and, uh, and just get on board that bandwagon. And I was denied. <laughs> I was like, Nope, sorry. On, on what grounds? I don't know. I, that I wasn't who I said I was. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't uh, famous enough to get a, to get a blue check mark. Anyway, I could give a shit. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm on, I'm on Twitter because uh, every once in a while I've got to, you know, something that I want to say, but mostly I tell people about what we're doing on Saturday mornings on Light 106.7. And uh, the other part is the, the Standing By podcast. I, after that, who gives a shit what I think? Yeah. You know, I, I want to get some things off my chest sometimes, so I do it on Twitter. And I'm, I'm at a point now where, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll tweet something that I, that's either getting on my nerves that I, or I, you know, I think uh, would be interesting um, and I'll tweet those things out. But other than that, I, you know, I guess at a different level, you have to give a shit if you've got 800,000 or time, you know, 10 million followers or what I think, I think Elon Musk has, he's got like a hundred and 115 million. million. I looked no. at it yesterday, 115 yeah. million followers. That's yeah, impressive. That's, yeah. yeah. That's, af that, that's afli flaflo. It sure is. <laughs> he should hey, run for president. You finished your sandwich, Ted. I did. I did. Would you like me to do a commercial now that I don't have a full mouth of food anymore? <laughs> I would. Yeah. By the way, it was it, it it was as delicious as it looked. I bet. Oh, right? it was absolutely great. Yeah. There you go. Who can I tell you about? Do you want to well, do? Uh... You, you can tell us. Uh, you can tell us about our uh, friends at uh, Voswin or our friends at Jaguar. They're no, they're we did. Ja I think we by. did Jaguar already. Okay, <clears throat> then Voswin it is. Voswin is an engineering firm an engineering consulting firm who, for reasons unbeknownst to us, well, no, they're not reasons unbeknownst to us. Sean Smith is uh, the founder and president of Voswin, and he's a good Joe. And he's been a Terry and Ted fan for low these many years, and he thought that uh, he could use the podcast as a vehicle to get the word out about his engineering consulting company because he knows there are people out there who have products or services or ideas that might have an engineering component that they don't know how to handle. Pardon me. As an example, Sean says, we worked with a plumber who wanted a better way to detect moisture for people's sump pump. We listened to the challenges, reviewed what was in the market, and designed a small unit 
that he was able to install. Once the numbers got high enough, we put him in touch with a manufacturer who now produces them for him. So this guy had an idea. He went to Voswin. Here's my idea. How do I get it to market? How does it go from how is it? What does it you say, Ter? From your head to your hands. Exactly. And Voswin showed him how. Uh, whether you need help with uh, mechanical and industrial engineering and design, electrical engineering and design, software engineering and design, Voswin is the place to go. You can find them online at voswin.com. So the sandwich is gone, but now I'm getting the phlegm buildup, the post, <laughs> the post sandwich phlegm buildup. Go to Voswin. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a couple of yeah i think <laughs> here's here's an invention besides i've got an invention a tube oh, that by. right after uh, right after you eat gets rid of all the sucks all the phlegm out okay yeah but you would have to have that actually inserted inside your esophagus wouldn't you I have no idea. Yeah. I'm not okay. a scientist. We'll, 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 talk, to, we'll talk to Sean about that one. <laughs> Sean will say, that's worse than your idea about getting to the fucking ice out of the uh, wheel wells. <laughs> your ideas are terrible. Get out of here. Are we doing a uh, tweet sheet? Oh, yes. Let's do a tweet sheet. All right. I forget all about the tweet sheet. Do you guys have any more uh, people that... Uh, we got... Any other sponsors? I, I think we we have to. We still have to do the Mersons, I think, Tara. Uh, yeah, you will. Yeah. yeah. Well, After the tweet sheet? Do, yeah. Yeah, we're going to do the tweet sheet. All right, all right. Three of the funnier this, uh, uh, tweets that we found. Uh, I like this yeah. one a lot. Just a second, just a second, Sorry. just a second. Can you still hear me, Ted? Yep. Yeah. Okay. But, but I just want to check because we're, we're about 45 minutes in. This episode is a fucking disaster. Isn't no, it? it's not. This episode is great. It's been very, very funny. <laughs> when it goes off the rails is when it's at its best. Are you ready, Ter? I got my drumsticks ready. All righty, here we go. From okay. at from at on the move. Eat shit, Nostradamus. There's no way you predicted I'd get my dick stuck in this Coke can. <laughs> this one made me chuckle a lot. That's funny. Yeah, Poseidon and I looked at that earlier today, and he was on the floor. He was in hysterics. <laughs> All right, next. From at the Cisco Kidder, my wife uh, sneezed while I was still inside her, and the next thing I knew, I was on the front lawn naked and covered in glass. What? <laughs> well, because you see, they were making love, and she sneezed and uh, launched him right out the, through the window and out <laughs> of the lawn. <laughs> God damn. That's intense. <laughs> <laughs> you got to smoke? <laughs> That's funny. Oh, Christ. I nearly blacked out there. Okay. Can you see these terror or no? No, I can't okay, see. Okay, it's, e it's even better that way. Yeah, it's it's even better that way, yeah. All right. One more. Okay. From at even poutier McGee. Takes a long drag from a cigarette. Looks at your baby. Exhales. What's wrong with your dog? <laughs> God damn. Excuse me. Hey, all right. All right. We got yeah, three I'm more. All right. I'm still dealing with oh, do you the, want to do, of the guy going through the window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We might as well because we didn't do any. We didn't have a chance to do any last episode. Let's yeah. Yeah, let's blow right through these all ones. Right, Why all not? Right, all right. Here we go, Tara. From at uh, from uh, at Shen the Bird, Wikipedia. Please, please, just give me one dollar. I'm begging you. Give me anything. Me trying to look up the Hamburglar's full name. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> 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 oh, 
<laughs> By the way, yes, I made the mistake of giving a little bit to Wikipedia one time. They oh. never leave you oh alone. Boy. After I'll oh bet they don't. God. I'll bet they don't. All right, go Poseidon. <clears throat> From at Vineyville, I'm not becoming my dad. Someone parks in front of my house. What the fucking shit is this? <laughs> <laughs> I was like that when I was a homeowner. If somebody parked in front of my house, the fuck is he doing? <laughs> uh, that's it. Oh, that's hold on, hold on. I got a. More. People cannot see at this one. It's okay. Yeah, no, it's you, good. Can you guys hear me? Because I. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All loud right. and clear. Yep. Is this the last one, Poseidon? Yep. Okay. From at Woody B. Son, what's in that fancy beer mug on the mantle? Me. Well, that's your Uncle Frank. That's where he wanted his remains. It was his favorite beer stein. He always said it would be funny. Never got why. Son, maybe it's so he could be Frank in Stein? Me, that son of a bitch. <laughs> that's funny. There you go. I appreciated that one. I, I got to say, um, the tweet sheet, uh, this, this may just say something about me. Uh, but the tweet sheet is uh, is funnier when it's crass. Oh, for sure it is. Yeah, it really is. It's just it's just a lot funnier when it's crass. It, yeah, it takes a, it takes a really yeah. special kind of tweet to be to yeah. be uh, as belly laugh funny as some of the dirty ones without being dirty. Although I think my favorite tweet of all time <clears throat> was one that didn't have any swear words in it. And I can't remember the guy. I'm gonna. I should have looked it up beforehand. But anyway, I'll paraphrase. It was uh, uh, more than 900 people died from drinking poison Kool Aid at the People's Temple cult camp in South America, including the first officer on the scene, Constable Steve. Don't mind if I do, Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it any justice, but the visual of some guy walking up to Jonestown with all the bodies on the ground and, ooh, what do we got here? Well, don't mind if I do. Uh, by the way, uh, we mentioned this, I think, at the uh, the start of the podcast. Uh, it's It'll be, I'll, t I'll tell you the story another time, but I was unable to travel in uh, November and December. So that's why uh, I'm sitting here, and uh, Ted is sitting there with a delicious sandwich. And uh, this is from my my home in the Fraser Valley. And no, I don't play any of those instruments on the wall. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, you can see the instruments and the dedications uh, and pictures. Of the dedi the whole the whole room is dedicated to Paul McCartney. My wife is an accomplished musician. She plays the drums. She plays the bass. She plays the guitar. She plays keyboards. And she is the world's biggest Paul McCartney fan. And uh, we have a room in the house dedicated to uh, just that. We call it the music room. And for now, it's going to be season four's studio. And I think so far, so good, Ted. I think so, yeah. And we, we got to roll out of here, but we also have to say goodbye, uh, or we have to say hello and then goodbye to our friends at Merson Automotive. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll be rolling home on my winter tires from Merson. It's that time of the year. And if you need winter tires, Merson Automotive on Saint-Jacques near Cavendish is the place to go. Ask them about Yokohama Ice Guard winter tires, the IG53 for cars, the GO75 for SUVs and vans, or ask them about the Nik sorry, Nokian Hakapalita tires. 
Go figure. I got Hakapolita right, but I couldn't say Nokian. <laughs> and uh, I think that they should make a special offer. If you can spell Hakapolita, you get uh, 15% off your tires. What do you think? Uh, I'm not sure if that's gonna if, if that's gonna fly in terms of business, Ted. But uh, you can maybe pitch it to them. All right then. The Hakapolita 10 and the R5. The R5 is a non-studded winter tire for passenger cars, crossovers, and SUVs. An innovative combination of winter grip, silence, and eco-friendliness developed with electric vehicles in mind. And you see more and more and more of those on the road every day. And Merson's mechanics are also trained and equipped to uh, maintain and repair electric vehicles. So if you've got a Tesla or any brand of electric vehicle, uh, you can take to Merson, and they'll take care of you. Merson Automotive, St. Jacques, west of Cavendish, and online at mercenauto.com. There is a uh, thread uh, between our sponsors. All of our sponsors are uh, family-run businesses. And uh, is that deliberate? As a matter of fact, it is. Ted and I have always been really proud to speak on behalf of family-run businesses because, boy, is that a disappearing thing. In this day of corporate greed and price gouging and all kinds of other shit that goes on with corporations, it's so refreshing to deal with small, uh, and not all the companies are small. You know, the, all of our sponsors, you know, run run organizations that employ a lot of people, uh, but are, you know, they're, they're local shops and they're run by families and families care about what they're doing and they care about the people that there are, are their customers. So we're pretty proud of that and we're excited to have them all back uh, for season for our friends at the UPS Store Canada, uh, our friends at Voswin, our, our friends at uh, uh, Jaguar Land Rover Laval, uh, and Matt Labonner and our friends at the Merson. We can't, uh, Mersons, we can't thank them enough uh, because we can't do the podcast without their support. So merci mille fois, as they say. Ted, uh, it's been a slice, and it's also been a sandwich. It's been a slice of uh, gabagool. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I promise never to eat on the podcast again. That was very rude of me, but I was famished. Yeah, and as long as I can't join you, do me a favor and stop it. Okay. <laughs> thanks to uh, Poseidon, and uh, thanks to my wife, Jess, for uh, handling technical stuff on this end. And most importantly, thanks to you for downloading the podcast. Don't forget to share it and uh, tell your friends all about it. We appreciate that very much. You can print, ship, and more at the UPS Store, theupsstore.ca.